You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, hello. Welcome to Get Fucking Real. I am Lisa Cherney. I am your host. And I have a treat of a guest for you today. She is a woman of many names, now going by Ali Katz. You may know her as Alexis Neely or Ali Ashanti. And her journey of many names is indicative of a beautiful integration process that she has been undergoing for 10 years that started with her realizing as a young attorney, mother, just married, partner in a law firm, getting into being on TV, just when she thought she had it all, she realized that she was rotting inside. And I asked her, like, what does that feel like? How did you know? She also realized, you know what? I'm being an asshole to people. She talks about that. She talks heavily about GFR commandment number two, which is let go of what doesn't feel good. And if you haven't gotten a hold of your 12 GFR commandments, now's the time to do it because we talk about them a lot. You can go to gfr.life forward slash 12C and get your roadmap for getting real. We talk all about how she step-by-step began to let go of many significant things in her life, how she had the courage to do it, and what led her now to what is a very successful company called the New Law Business Model, where she teaches lawyers her methodology for serving families and small business owners in a truly meaningful way. She, despite having filed for bankruptcy and all the other dismantling that she did. She has now made the Inc. 5000 for the second year in a row. She is the founder of Eyes Wide Open, which is a brand that she put on hold four years ago, but which is about to make a big comeback to teach all of us how to see what's real and true when it comes to love, money, business, and legacy, and so much more. So the question for you is, could you walk away from TV fame if that's what you thought you always wanted. Well, she talks a lot about listening to that voice, that voice that was guiding her. And I asked her, how did you have the courage to do that? And so if you want to find out the answer, if you've had that voice and you, you, know, you know you're not listening, then you are in the right place. I can't wait for you to meet Allie Katz. 
It's Allie Katz, everyone. I'm so excited you're here. Yay. And we're opening Pandora's box just by calling you Allie Katz, and everybody will understand soon <laughs> why that is. But welcome to the Get Fucking Real show. Thank you. I love that just right out the gate, it's Get Fucking Real. It's Get Fucking Real. It just sets the whole tone. It's, it's as what we're up to here. And I can't think of a more perfect guest in this moment than you, Missy. And I know, I think I shared like a year ago that I was doing this and you were one of the first people to respond like, sign me up. I'm all in whatever you need. And so, yeah. And people will understand here in just a minute. So, um, oh my God, I can't wait to tell the story. So, one of the ways we're going to tell the story is through your name, which, uh, you know, we were prepping for the show and you're like, you know, kind of like, you know, I'm so bored of it. And it's like, we, we get so close to our own journey and we're just sort of like, almost want to just like put it behind us. And what I love about the show is it, it really exposes the journey as so purposeful, right? And your journey is so wonderfully purposeful and part of your journey has been a journey with what you call yourself and how that has related to your outward expression yeah. so take us back to alexis neely <laughs> well, i'm going to take you back even farther than that I'm okay let's do it let's do it alexis martin neely <laughs> okay alexis martin neely yeah she was she was, i remember her too <laughs> yeah, she was the original one you know she was the one that came on the scene and as her, I started experiencing success, fame and fortune. That's what I was pursuing um, and I had achieved it as Alexis Martin Neely. I had written the best-selling book. I had built the $2 million businesses. I was uh, appearing on TV as a family financial and legal expert. So I had made it by all you know, measures of making it. I was living on a walk street in Hermosa Beach. My kids were going to private school. I was driving the Mercedes Benz. And through most of it, I was rotting inside. Like literally something inside of me was rotten. And I could feel it. And I didn't know what it was and I couldn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. My life was so perfect from the outside. And it was, it was a familiar feeling because I, I had felt that when I had started my career as a lawyer at one of the best law firms in the country. So, you know, I, I took the very traditional path. Um, I, you know, went to college, worked my way through college. Uh, my family did not have a lot of money growing up. And I knew that I wanted to do something very safe, very predictable. My dad had been an entrepreneur, but not in a good way. He had uh, even gone to jail when I was in fifth grade for being a con artist. And so I wanted to save him. That's what brought me to law school. And I wanted to be respected by him. That He really respected lawyers. That's also what brought me to law school. And I graduated from law school first in my class. And the same year that I graduated first in my class, I got married in February, pregnant in March, graduated in May, moved back to Miami to start my clerkship in August, gave birth in November. This is all 19, wow. 1999. Wow. Yeah. 
So that was the beginning of Alexis Martin Neely. I was a mom. I was a lawyer. I went to work at one of the best law firms in the country, started by Charlie Munger, Munger, Tolls, and Olson. Uh, you know, this was, and, and, I, and I got recruited there, and they gave me this huge signing bonus, and I'm making more money than I had ever made in my life. I mean, before that, you know, before law school, I had worked as a waitress. I'd, I'd started working in a pizza place when I was 14, you know, and so that I could buy myself a car, and then I'd even sold used cars at one point. You know, I had done it all. Um, and here so, you are, you landed, you had arrived. <laughs> I did it. I was like 28 years old. I was a mom. I was married. And I was at one of the best law firms in the country. And we bought a house in Redondo Beach, um, white picket fence and all. I mean, even the white picket fence, Lisa. So how did you know you were rotting inside? Well, it started then. It started then when I, when I was at the big law firm. And I realized something was off. Like, this doesn't, like, this, this is my life? I'm going to do this for the next 50 years? that 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 this cannot be um something is very not right i was incredibly lonely i didn't fit in with the stay-at-home moms you know who all lived in the south bay community that i lived in i didn't fit in with the law firm associates none of whom had kids um all of that ultimately led me to uh now, now this is really strange i was looking for a church I, I grew, I'm, I'm Jewish, 100% Ashkenazi Jew, according to 23andMe. I grew up in a non-religious household in which both my father and my grandmother on my mom's side, so they are not even blood related, both were conveying to me that God is for stupid people. So I have like this, you know, aversion to anything religious or God or spiritual. And meanwhile, there is a very loud voice in my head that is saying, you need to find a church. And I'm like, what? Why do I need to find a church? Long story short, Agape International Spiritual Center came into my life through, through, through the most crazy synchronicities that I don't have time to tell you all of them right now. But it, it, it is, I don't, under, don't, like, I don't understand how this all happened other than the fact that something bigger than me was guiding me. Yeah. And just for those that don't know Agape, it's founded by um, Michael Beckwith, and it is a new thought church, and it is like nothing y'all ever see. Yeah. The chorus is just amazing. Like, it, you ancient go there. Wisdom, yeah. new thought. Ancient wisdom, new thought, I think is, is you know, what they, what they say about it. And literally the moment I walked in, I was like, oh my God, I'm home. I'm home. Yeah. And as a Jew, like anything called church, bad. You know, like that was my upbringing. Like you don't. <laughs> well, any, any, anywhere that they say God, you know, mm. I, and, and the way I found this church was through a friend who literally her name jumped off a page at me. Again, life guiding me. And when we met, she was constantly talking about God. And every time she would talk about God, my stomach would literally twist in a knot. And I was like, oh, why does she keep doing that? Um, <laughs> It's like grossing me out, but I was compelled and I was compelled by her and I was compelled by Agape and through Agape, I learned the power of my mind. I had no idea about the power of my mind other than as like an intellectual, you know, 
force, right? Like I, I graduated first, first from Georgetown. So obviously I knew I was smart, but I didn't understand the creative power of my mind. I didn't know I could create with my mind. So again, long story short, because we don't have the days it would take for me to tell you this story, <laughs> uh, that, that led to a series of events that led to me starting my own law firm, uh, leaving the big law firm and starting my own law firm and thinking that that would be the answer. If I just started my own law firm and I wasn't working for this big law firm, not really feeling as if I was making a difference, and I started my own law firm and I created this new way of practicing law, which is, was starting to pull me, um, then maybe I wouldn't be rotting inside. Maybe then I would be happy. And so I did. I started my own law firm. By that time, I had two kids. In fact, again, big year 2003 was the year that my son was born and also the year that I left the big law firm and started my own law firm. My husband was staying at home with the kids. Um, so I was the sole breadwinner and just figuring it out on my own. Within three years, I had built that law firm into a million dollar a year revenue generating law practice. And you know, you might say, oh, well, you're a lawyer. That's easy to make a million dollars a year. But that is not the case. Most lawyers are struggling. They're not making any money. Maybe they're bringing in 75000 100000 a year. But, you know, many of them are not even doing that. They are broker than broke, and their mindsets are horrible. So, and my mindset was pretty horrible. I didn't know that's what it was called at the time, but now I know. Um, but despite all of that, I was able to build the practice into a million-dollar-a-year revenue-generating practice. But I knew that I was rotting inside because, like, I was mean to my staff. I was super not a good, like I didn't feel like a good person, but it was confusing because I did feel like a good person, but at the same time, I didn't feel like a good person. So I didn't really know how to reconcile those things because what I, what I now know looking back with, with the hindsight of, of the work that I've done there was a complete disconnect between my head and my heart. Didn't know that at the time. I didn't even know even such a thing existed. Um, but my head, my mind was telling me to do one whole set of things. And my heart would have told me to do another set of things, but I didn't trust my heart at all. I, I, my heart seemed stupid. And, and now I recognize as well, it wasn't just a disconnect between my head and my heart. It was a, an internal conflict a deep internal conflict between my masculine and my feminine parts. Again, back then I had no idea what the words masculine and feminine even meant. Um, and if you would have told me that I had a conflict between my masculine and feminine parts, I would have, you know, told you that you were crazy, that that didn't even exist. Uh, but again, you know, life was able to show me that that is what was happening. And so life kept putting situations in my path that I can now see were really a result of my assholeish ways. Um, <laughs> and, and the assholeish ways were a result of this, this internal conflict. It was like, it, and the rotting inside created a sort of an acting out of, of your misery out uh, onto other people, except that's, you, you, yeah. you weren't aware of that's what it was. Well, like as an example, this is a small example. Like I, I really believed that if I was paying people, they should be happy without me appreciating them, 
without me having any respect for their time or their contribution. Like I had this real belief that then, you know, was acted out in the world around me that because I was the one earning the money, we were all earning the money, but again, where does this even come from? But it, I think, I think most, I think this exists widely actually, um, because I was the one whose name was on the firm that it all revolved around me. Um, and therefore I had more rights than they did. So for example, small example, my nanny at the time who gratefully still works with me to this day in another capacity, her and her husband actually, he was my personal assistant. She was my nanny. This is 15 years ago. They, they went on to, um, work with me with my financials for a long time and then started their own company managing other people's other online business owners financials and they're incredible and I can't even believe that they stuck with me all these years because I was such an asshole but anyway they did um and um they uh you know I would come home late from work every single day and just assume that she could stay late because I was paying her and, you know, it took her saying something to me for me to recognize that I was just not being respectful to her. I didn't have any concept of respect. Well, I didn't here's why. Here's why. And you know this because you aren't respecting yourself, right? You're completely disconnected from self-love and self-respect and like even what is your own inner needs, right? So how can you even be aware of other people's? I mean, it was, it was, it was more than that, really. It was like, I, I didn't have any other models. You know, my dad was an asshole. But I loved him. He was, he was great. He was so amazing. But he was such an asshole to the people around him. And that's just what I saw. So that's just how I thought people were. And, and, but I knew something was wrong. And, and at one point, my, another nanny of mine, her name is Kelsey. And um, So are we, uh, uh, have we changed a name to Alexis Neely yet? Nope. Still Alexis Martin Neely. All right. One more story and then I want to get to Alexis Neely because that's the next chapter. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, I'll just, I, I, I got to see, fortunately, throughout the years, there were many people who were willing to show me that I wasn't the good person I thought I was because I really thought I was a good person. So they were willing to show me that I wasn't the good person that I, that I thought I was. And that was the source of my rotting. Like I knew that what they were saying was true, but I also didn't know what to do about it. So in 2009, um, I decided to do the plant medicine ayahuasca. And at the time I thought I I was very, um, uh, judgmental about it, about people who did it. I thought, oh, they just do it to get high. This is just, you know, people wanting to get high, whatever. But then all of a sudden it was like, actually, I'm supposed to do it. And this is post-divorce. Uh, my husband and I had gotten divorced. I uh, had already started work around finding my feminine and, um, you know, the various things that, that led to that, but I was still Alexis Martin Neely. And um, I did ayahuasca. 
And that night um, I saw, I saw, I saw a world that works for everyone. I saw a world in which the entitlement that I was living my life with no longer existed. A, a, a world where my success wasn't built on the backs of other people, but we were actually creating life together in a way that was nourishing for everyone. Now, I only caught a glimpse of this because it was just one night. But that glimpse was enough to throw me into a pretty big depression because I knew that what I saw and what I was were very far apart. And I did not know what to do about it. There was no integration support at that time. Uh, so that was September 2009. We're now 10 years later. And I'm only just over the past two or three years, I would say, really understanding what I saw that night and um, what to do with it, you know. Um, but what, what I did with it at the time is I um, walked away. I began the process of walking away. It was, it was a two-year process to really walk away, but I... Um, Went to, uh, came out to Colorado uh, shortly after that to speak at a law school, Denver Law School, where my best friend at the time was graduating. And it so happened that there was a house for rent, two houses down from her on a lake, twice the size of my house in Hermosa, um, half the rent. And her kids and my kids were best friends. And at the very same time that I saw that house and I spoke at that law school, I had been on Nancy Grace's uh, television show. If you know Nancy Grace, she is this like crazy, very negative lawyer. And she would bring other lawyers on to gossip about what was happening in the you know, public you know, arena. And that day I was on to talk about Tiger Woods. Now you have to understand, this was the pinnacle. This was my dream. My dream was to be on TV as a, as a lawyer and I was doing it and I, I feel like I was pretty close to getting my own show and like it was happening. And normally when I would go on TV, my mind would be completely silent. For the first time in my life, you know, my mind would be completely silent because I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. But that time I went on and all of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm like ready to get on and I hear this huge loud voice booming in my head and it says, Alexis, what the fuck are you doing? You are about to go on national television to gossip about another human being. You are contributing to the world negative a thousand. You can never do this again. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is my favorite thing. This, I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing. No, you can never do it again. Okay, wait, let's pause. Okay. Because, uh, the thing that I want to illuminate is how clearly you were able to discern this quote unquote voice and, and listen to it. And I, and that, if you could, let's just talk about that because 
it's that voice, right? And, and you've mentioned this voice, and now I'm feeling like now you're even more open to this voice. And for some people listening, they're like, well, how the fuck do you know if that's like not your ego or like this, this voice and your willingness to, to hear it and its guidance. And so j- just talk a little bit about this voice. I love that you're, you're speaking to that because this voice was the same voice that caused me to leave the big law firm and start my own law firm. Uh, It was the same voice that many, many, many years later, uh, when my daughter was 14 and started seriously going off the deep end, and I almost was about to send her away, said, do not send her away, be her mother. Uh, So this voice has really factored in a big way in my life. Um, What I realize now is that this voice has been talking to me my whole life, Most of my life, what it has been doing is beating me up, harassing me, calling me names, telling me how stupid I am. Um, And and it was driving me from this place of negative motivation because it was the only way it could get my attention. Um, So you feel like it's the same voice, that same voice that was beating you up is the same voice that has morphed into guidance and wisdom. Well, okay, so I'm a, I'm a big believer and understander of parts. So I know that I have various parts inside of me. Um, that actually is a big part of the name conversation. Uh, I have lived my parts more externally than most people do because I've been in, in such clear communication and understanding of my parts. Um, I'm beginning to parse them out. And what I can say is that the voice that has given me like the big downloads um, is probably the voice of a part of me I call oneness. Um, I don't talk much about that. You know, I've I've, I've in fact never named that one publicly. So good job, Lisa. (laughs) Confession, (laughs) confession. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That that part, um, uh, you know, but they're parts of a whole. They're parts of a whole, but that part, um, uh, I do identify as oneness. The, the, the other parts that, you know, were harassing me my whole life, they were the ones that I could hear until I began to engage in self-care. Now, I didn't know what self-care was. I had no idea. That's why you're an asshole. I'm sorry. I'm sticking with it. That's why you're an asshole because you didn't know shit about self-care or could listen to yourself on any level. Well, there's levels of self-care. So I didn't- Levels of assholeness. (laughs) By the time I, you know, had made the first million and all of that and the law practice and um, uh, I knew about self-care, like I knew how to uh, get enough sleep and, you know, go to the dentist and take care of my body. I didn't even know that when I graduated from law school. Okay. I, I didn't even know the basics of self-care. I ended up coming across a coach who I was very resistant to hiring, and I did at $350 a month, which was a lot of money for me at the time. It's so funny, you know, now looking back. Uh, but $350 a month was a lot. And she's talking to me about, did I ever, when was my last pedicure, haircut, dental appointment, and did, I, you know, exercise. And I was like, 
hey lady, I hired you to talk to me about my business and why I'm not happy as a lawyer and you're talking to me about my hygiene. What's going on? I was pissed. And she's like, well, um, you, you need to take care of yourself in order to ever be happy in your work. And fortunately following her guidance to do so, I had never had a pedicure. I never went to the dentist unless it was like a serious emergency. I did not get my hair cut. I never exercised. I wouldn't spend any money on myself. That three fifty a month was like a huge deal. Um, you know, now it's like, you know, $25,000 day <laughs> to work with a coach. Um, but back then, I, I didn't even know the basics of self-care. So I, I think that the, as you're like talking about, I'm realizing self-care, foundational, like just caring for my body came first. Later, what I would learn is what I think you're more referring to as self-love. And I certainly didn't know that. Yes. Yes. I, that I, that I have come to. That, but so that, that ayahuasca journey that, you know, then led to me being able to hear this voice that said, you can never do this again, that led to me moving. So, so that was all the last quarter of 2009, um, January 1st, 2010, I moved to Colorado. And I remember, so just like, like, uh, so you and I have been connected for a long time, yeah. predominantly through another guest, Lisa Sasevich. Yeah. And I remember when you did this, and I remember her saying, you're not going to believe this. Like yeah. she just like picked up and she's like in Denver now. And like, you yeah. know, I remember like from the outside, it just looked like, you know, a crazy person had possessed you, which it, now it, we know yeah. is oneness, right? Now we know was the wise oneness that actually had fully possessed you into, um, yeah. into the exploration. And, and as you do, you are evolving your name because that is how you are identifying the different parts and the different chapters of your life. Yeah, something happened around that time where I, I couldn't keep calling myself Alexis Martin Neely. Like, I couldn't do it. And so I didn't know Ali Shanti at the time. Uh, so Alexis Neely is what, what I went to. That somehow felt one degree of more manageable, softer, and it was a way for you to externally represent an internal shift that was happening. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, so we did that. We moved here to Colorado and um, I began to start to see the degree and level of my disconnection. This was really hard for me to see. I was disconnected from myself. I was disconnected from others and I was disconnected from the planet almost completely. And waking up to seeing that was pretty terrifying. Um, it involved a lot, a lot, a lot of tears, a lot of therapists. Um, I was hiring therapists and luckily I moved to like the therapy capital of the world here in Boulder, Colorado. Um, so like all the people I knew I could hire as my therapists and what I realized that they were doing with me is that they were getting me to feel. I didn't know how to feel and I didn't understand that I didn't, what that meant even like what, how could that be? that I didn't know how to feel. But it became clear in therapy that I did not know <laughs> how to feel. That was weird to find out. 
Um, and yeah, that, that was a, a whole, a whole process of, uh, first learning to feel myself and then learning to feel others. And then gratefully in 2010, uh, getting to a land, um, called Eden Hot Springs and learning to feel land and earth and connection with earth in a way that I had never had before. And I fell in love with earth. Um, and, uh, and then went to Peru and had more experiences with ayahuasca. And, uh, and, and through that, my name, Ali Shanti, came. And you have to understand that when Ali Shanti came, first of all, she didn't come as Ali Shanti. She came as Shanti. I'm in an ayahuasca ceremony, and I hear chanting, Shanti, 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 Shanti. And then again, the voice, that's your name. That's your name. And, oh my God, that's my name. And the next day, I'm like, I can't go by Shanti. That is too weird. I can't. <laughs> because I was still very much Alexis Neely. And, and even you still had your, your law firm and your businesses and you yeah. know, all this happening. Well, I didn't have my law firm. I had sold my law firm in 2008. That was a whole catastrophe. Um, but I did have my business serving lawyers. It, it was uh, the Family Wealth Planning Institute, which is now new law business model, but at the time, Family Wealth Planning Institute, personal family lawyer program. And I had started to come out online about who I was. I, I got married at Burning Man um, and posted about it publicly. That was the beginning. That was me taking a stand. So this was 2010 and I got married at Burning Man and I posted about it online because I wanted everybody that followed me, you know, I had a big following and I wanted everybody that followed me to see that I'm not who they think I am. And I didn't have Ali Shanti as my name yet at that point, but she was, it was very close. And this is who I am. I'm this woman who gets married at Burning Man. I'm not who you think I am. And I thought when I did that, that all the lawyers hated me. I made up a whole story in my mind that they hated me. They didn't want me to continue to serve them. But I see now it's just a reflection of my own internal conflict and my own belief that I couldn't do both. And in fact, this really crazy thing happened where, you know, I posted about it. Now when I go back and I read the comments that people wrote on my blog, I can see that 80% of them were so supportive, loving, and positive. 20% of them were nasty. My mind only could see the nasty ones. And I made that into a whole story about how I couldn't serve lawyers anymore. And um, I, in fact, even hired somebody, a friend of mine, to interview all of my lawyers that I was serving. Never got the results until three years, four years later. Why did that happen? I don't know. But late, three to four years later, she said to me, we were talking one day, she's like, yeah, when I, when I interviewed those lawyers, they all told me that they were just really curious about what was happening. 
they still liked you. They were still wanting to learn from you. But I had convinced myself that they didn't. And then I pursued an entire path of sabotage based on that lie. So let's pause on that lie because, you know, when we talk a lot here about GFR moments and GFR breakthroughs, right? And the GFR moment is like, this isn't working. I need to make a change, right? And the breakthrough is like taking this action, right? So you, and, 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 and what prevents those things from happening is very often our belief of what's going to happen if we do it, right? And like how no one's going to like me anymore. The clients that I'm serving are not going to believe in me anymore. I mean, I always refer to our awesome um, 12 GFR commandments. And, you know, for you, commandment number six, have faith in yourself and your mission. It's like, you know, and the confession question is, what would I do differently if I had faith in myself and my mission? And so like at that moment when you were like, this isn't, you know, I can't possibly be myself and continue to serve lawyers because yeah, there, there was no commandment. What, which one is it? Eight? It's number six. Have faith there in yourself no and your There was nobody. There was nobody that could help me through these moments at that time because I, ha- I, I couldn't look around and see anybody that had ever experienced what I was experiencing. I was so alone. There was nobody to say to me, have faith in yourself. That's not entirely true. James Altucher, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's pretty awesome. You know, like got on the phone with me and was like, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. So there were, there were some people, but for the most part, I looked around me and, every, and what I saw reflected back to me was, what, what are you doing? And also not true, Amanda Steinberg. I don't know if you know Amanda Steinberg. Awesome. Uh, it isn't, a, isn't it, even in this moment, you're, you're connecting with, there was nobody around me. And then you're having flash of, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. Right. And this is what we do right now. We're like, nobody's understanding. I'm alone. I'm unique. Oh, but there was that one person. Oh yeah. Oh, and you know what? I did meet that one person, oh, and, but we just, there were, like, such we angels. <laughs> there were such angels and I felt so alone. I felt horribly alone. I felt so attacked. I did not have faith in my mission because I didn't believe in myself. I thought that maybe I was just really good at selling things to people and that my work wasn't even valuable and that I shouldn't have even ever become a lawyer and that what I was doing as a lawyer wasn't valuable. And why was I just helping lawyers make more money anyway? You know, these were some of the thoughts that were going through my mind. And fortunately, life was able to show me something different, but I did have to let go of everything in order to see it. Ah, let's pause go. on that. You have okay. to let go of everything in order everything. to see it. Right, which I, is, right? Life, that's commandment number right. two we were talking about. Let go of what doesn't feel good. And then the, the confession question, what doesn't feel good, which takes a lot of fucking courage, right? And, and that's the thing that I love, uh, one of the many things I love about you is your willingness to let go of things that don't feel good, even if it's illogical, even if you are afraid you will be alone and you'll be ostracized and then you can really totally create a story that serves that, you did it anyway. I did. did it anyway. So what advice would you give to people that are like, I can never do that. I don't have her courage. Like how, how does one get to the place of being willing to let go of the thing even when they have the fears that 
there will be haters, that their family won't understand, that they're, you know, someone's going to commit them to an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of support. I realize now that life was really supporting me. At the time, it didn't feel that way. What did but, it look like? How, uh, how, how does someone know that actually life really is supporting them and they may not be noticing it? I was in relationship with a man named Craig. And he has a body of work called Purpose Mapping. And he kept applying this body of work to me and to my life up close and personal. Um, and it's, it's funny because he keeps wanting me to go through it again. But I received it. And through receiving his work and him being by my side through this process and speaking the truth to me again and again and again and again, I was able to let go. I never would have let go had he not been there by my side to support me to see what I could not see myself. And, you know, here's something that's really interesting, Lisa, because I can also look back and be mad at him for taking me down the track that I went down. Uh... So I'm hearing you say that you, how you were able to let go of the things that were not serving you, commandment number two, right? What doesn't feel good, um, let go of what doesn't feel good. You were able to do that because you had somebody by your side without even, it's, it's, I don't even think the, the particulars of his work are important. He was able to reflect truth back to you around what he saw as your purpose, as your dharma, as what you were, and he was able to continually hold that space for you. And so I'm hearing a key is to create yeah. support. Hmm? Oh, yeah. You have to have support. You have yeah. to have support. And you have to have support from, uh, from people who can see the truth of who you are more than you can. And that support is available and you have to be open to seeking it, have to be open to receiving it, happen to be open to maybe even investing in yourself a little bit. Oh yeah. Get it, right? These are, and for some people, these are huge breakthrough actions to take. Yeah, there were so many people who showed up in my life that I was open to receiving from. So during this time as well, this guy messages me on Facebook and he said, uh, Alexis, you are not a manifester. You are a generator and you have to stop operating as you are because you're hurting yourself and the people that you're serving. Now, most people I believe would get that kind of a message and be like, fuck you. But I was not. I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I need to hear what you've got for me. Clearly you've got something for me. What is it? And it turns out that what he had for me was human design and human design changed my life. And that was back in 2011, you know, before people were doing human design. Uh, Just briefly uh, what it is. So it's, that a, it's a system that is based on your birth date that takes into account astrology, the chakras, the I Ching. Um, and 
tells you how best to use your energy. And most of us operate in our not selves. I was operating in my not self. It turns out I'm actually a generator. I am designed to respond. In order to respond, I have to be able to feel, which I couldn't even do. Uh, and um, so learning that I was a generator, learning how to operate within my human design allowed me to come into a reality where it could feel good. So your commandment, let go of anything that doesn't feel good, I didn't even know what felt good or didn't feel good. That's really why I had to let go of everything at the end of the day is because nothing felt good. Everything felt bad. Which probably was the reality that it actually did feel bad. <laughs> even yeah. though it was everything, it kind of feels like you threw the baby out with the bathwater, but I would say you didn't. I would say that you took the radical action that created where you are today, which I would like to, I would like to, um, to, to round our corner to, to, um, you know, to honoring, uh, honoring, um, Alexis Martin Neely, honoring Alexis Neely, honoring Ali Shanti, and then bringing it around to where Ali, Ali Shanti, Shanti, thank you. And bringing it around to where you are today, what you're calling yourself now, and then where your business and your life is now, right? Because it's, it's beautiful. Thank you for giving us that insight into that journey and the, the decision points, and the choice points along the way, and that, that inner voice that you listen to and the, the letting go you're willing to make and the listening when the angels and the guides came to you and they were giving you pieces you know, to help you through it, you stayed open to it. And, and, and here you are now at, we will be talking about earlier was like a new horizon line, right? That you, you feel like you're not totally, I don't think any of us are fully baked yet. And yet you are at a new vantage point where you can really see a new possibility. And, and that, that this 10 year journey has, has, has had a beautiful purpose even though in many ways it kind of looks like you were where you started. So, sh so well, that's, yes, that's, that. <laughs> that's the funniest part. You know, a big part of this journey was my questioning, should I be serving lawyers? Should I even be talking about money? Like who, what right do I have to be doing that? Et cetera, et cetera. Am I really do making a difference in the world? Which was very important to me. So I didn't expect that through all of it, I would come back, around and land exactly where I started. <laughs> but that is exactly what happened is that through letting go of everything, through hitting the rock bottom, through moving to a farm, uh, filing bankruptcy, um, at that moment, I was able to see some things that I had not been able to see from you know, the place of high up on the hill, I guess. And one thing that I was able to see is that, yes, I am here to serve lawyers and that I have something for the lawyers and for the clients of the lawyers that nobody else has and that is actually really important and meaningful. And then I was also able to see this thing that I identified called money dysmorphia, a, a, a horrible disease that corrupts many of us, corrupted me and, and, and many of us um, because it's a distortion of money and how we see money that causes us to make poor decisions about how we use non-renewable resources, including time, energy, and attention, whereas money is infinitely renewable.
by being able to see the money dysmorphia and being able to see the, 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 that the work with lawyers was meaningful, specifically around how we confront death, um, I was able to come back into all of that from a new place, a place of feeling, a place of being able to feel myself, a place of being able to feel others and a place of being able to feel the earth, but I still had a lot of learning to do. And I had to learn that as both Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti. Alexis Neely continued to serve the lawyers. Ali Shanti was bringing this work of money dysmorphia out into the world. And that has continued. Um, I had to learn to live as both. And many people told me, don't do it. You're crazy. Just build one brand. You can't have two names. You should just kill one of them off. Just be Ali Shanti. Just be Alexis Neely. Don't be both of them. And I kept having to say, no, I'm, I can't do that. I have to be both because I am both. And I can't hide either one of them because I have to be real. And I have to be with what's true. And it is inconvenient. It is convenient. And it's not fucking about a brand. It's about a person. <laughs> it's about who I actually am. And, and that was what was true about who I actually was. And, and, and through that, um, I ultimately, where I am today on a business perspective is that I did get clear about four years ago that I couldn't, I couldn't have both two names and two businesses. That was too much for me to handle and raise my kids. They were getting to be teenagers and they really needed me at another level. And I needed to show up for them at another level. And so I turned off really the money dysmorphia eyes wide open work. I still am and was, you know, was Ali Shanti on a personal level, but I wasn't doing business as Ali Shanti anymore. I was just living as Ali Shanti and I was doing business as Alexis Neely serving lawyers with this new law business model. And once I, once I focused there, my attention and my energy and, and, and learned how to become a leader. That's really what happened. Um, I, I finally broke through some big barriers, some big limits that I'd had in my business. I'd been stuck at 1.5 million for years, which is a good place to be stuck, but nobody wants to be stuck anywhere. So stuck is stuck. And we, I was able to um, break through to hit the Inc, uh, Inc. 5000 now for the second year in a row. We'll do about 3.6 million this year. Um, but more exciting than that is I'm letting go of control. Wow. Can you say that again? Yes. I'm letting go of control. I'm letting go of control in a way that's healthy because I had let go of control clearly at times in the past, but the way I let go in the past was chaotic and an abdication of responsibility more so than a stepping into leadership, which is totally different. And so with a stepping into leadership, what's happening now is that I'm attracting people to work with me that are smarter than me, that are, um, uh, that inspire me, that understand my trauma, are willing to share their trauma, um, but not because we're in this like wound-based relationship, but because we are committed to transcending the trauma and building something that is truly meaningful, truly full of integrity, uh, truly transformational in the world. And so we've got uh, a true C-level executive team, which I never had before. I could not attract that before. I couldn't even envision that before. Uh, we've got that now. 
I am uh, needed in the business less than ever. And um, as a result of that, I am now seeing the eyes wide open work. There's space for it to come back online. It probably won't really happen until 2020. But also as part of all of that, I have finally gotten to a place where I don't need all the names anymore. Not to say that they don't still live inside of me because they do. Alexis Neely, Alexis Martin Neely, Ali Shanti will always be parts of me. They're parts of me. They are parts of me in the same way that oneness is a part of me. But about four years ago, I uh, did get a download of another name, but I was not ready to take on this other name because I couldn't have another name. Like, <laughs> I, I couldn't be Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti and this other name too. That would just had be a two crazy. name limit. <laughs> yeah, I had a two name limit. Um, and yet this name I knew was my name. And uh, the name is the name that you introduced at the beginning of the show. It's Alexis Katz, or Ally Katz, as um, most people call me. And the name is my father's original birth name. Um, and in fact, uh, my cousin and his father years ago changed their last name back to Katz, well before I did. Um, and you know, as I've been getting more clear around my work around inheritance and legacy and the true meaning of inheritance and legacy, um, this name has become even more and more meaningful to me because, you know, it's a deep connection to my lineage as a 100% Ashkenazi Jew, which is a, it's, you know, it's a real thing in like that lives inside of me. And Katz is the original surname. It is from the tribe of Kohain, um, the, the, the priests of truth, the priests. And, and you know, I've, 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 I've been very aligned with my understanding that I have priestess energy in me, even though I haven't always known what that was. And I, and I believe it comes through my lineage, as does so much more. And so four years ago, when I, when I got this name, um, I, I just, you know, I got the, I got the Gmail, um, and I got the URLs, uh, and I got the <laughs> business folk do, <laughs> and I got the Facebook accounts, um, but I did not share the name publicly and I just held it and I held it and I held it. And then this year, um, it became clear that I was complete with Alexis Neely and Ali Shanti and I love them both so much, and I love those parts of myself so much. And what I am creating in the world, the name on the books that I am writing will say Alexis Katz. Beautiful, it's beautiful. So in closing, if she's you not an asshole. By the way, and Ali uh, <laughs> Ali Katz is not an asshole. Ali Katz is not an asshole. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so and, great to know that. <laughs> and she's not rotting inside. Not rotting inside. So, in closing, I want you to to share if you know then what you know now. What advice would you give to somebody who is aware through hearing this story that they are a little bit or a lot of bit rotting inside? What advice would you give them? You have to be willing to see it. Mm 
You have to be willing to see it. You have to drop the defenses. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to learn to feel your impact on other people in a way in which you allow it to really get in. It will change everything for you. You will find the place where you actually love yourself. At least that's how it's been for me. And my guess is that if you're anything like me, you are hiding the rotting inside behind addiction, numbness, disconnection, and instead you're covering it up with some sort of external view of your success. Like, you know, whatever your measure is, then you will no longer be rotting inside. But it's not true. You can keep going for all of it, all of the things, all of those measures of success. And until you actually face that thing inside that you least want to face, that thing that you least want to look at and really feel it, like really allow yourself to feel it and see your impact on other people because that's how, how it works, by the way. You know, it's, it's by being in relationship and, and seeing the reflections in the relationships in a non-defensive way that we're able to actually feel what's true, it doesn't get any better. But it, but it does get better. It really gets better when you can, can non-defensively take in the reflections of other people, whether it's your team or your spouse or your kids. Your kids are great ones for it. Because whatever they're saying to you is true. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And it'll bring uh, you back to self-love. It'll bring you around to self-love in a way that you have never experienced. Yeah. I I guess I want to check in with you, Lisa, and see if you agree, like with what I'm saying. Do you have this experience too? Do you agree? Yes. You know, the short answer is yes. I have not experienced this journey, the similar journey. Um, that you have. And that's why you're on the show because you walk the path of waking the fuck up and, and, and all of the, the ways that it looked and the breakdowns before breakthroughs and the relationships and the bankruptcy and the trouble at, with your kids and the business and, And like, thank you for sharing all the outward manifestation of disconnection and not being able to feel so that the listeners, perhaps the listeners do not need to travel that same journey. Perhaps it could be shortened. Perhaps they hear this and they say, fuck, I need to get help. I need to reach out. I need to say yes to the help that's right in front of me. I need to listen to what my kids and my team is saying and and they're willing to do it because it may actually shortcut some suffering and still create the same breakthrough. I think that would be the ultimate goal. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think that that's, that that's, that that's really great. I think that um, if, you know, if, if you have a lot of conflict in your life, I had a, a tremendous amount of conflict in my life. Conflict is one of the things that I think is most hidden 
in the shadows. And it's also at the same time, somehow most accepted. It's like a batch of honor almost. Like, oh, I'm so busy. It's so crazy. There's all this drama. Yeah. Life doesn't have to be that way. Life does not have to be that way. I did not know that because, again, there was nobody out there talking about it in a way. Well, and your dad was arrested when you were a kid and was in jail for being a cot artist. Like that, you know, and, and that you, you were able to just be like, okay, yeah, that happened. Like that. That's how life is. Yes. Yes. So I, I, didn't, I didn't know that there was another possibility. And I guess, to, you know, today I am standing here as another possibility to, you know, say that you can have a life that, yeah, healthy conflict. You know, my, my kid's dad and I live together still. We've been divorced 15 years. Um, sure, we still have conflict sometimes, but it's totally different. We're, it's healthy. Yeah, healthy conflict. We disagree about it. something and we're able to talk about it. Um, you know, it, it, it took somebody sitting in my living room, seeing me talk to him in a way that was not nice, and then looking at me and saying, wow, I was really surprised at how you just talked to him. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Yeah, you didn't, you, you, that wasn't really nice. And it was a wake-up call for me. What? I, that's how I've always talked to him. <laughs> and fortunately, like you said, I was able to see it. I was able to see it. And um, so I guess I, yeah, you're, you're, really, you're helping me to, like, get something here, Lisa. So thank you. <laughs> that's what happens with our guests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're helping me get that. This idea about living eyes wide open, um, you know, if, it's not just a path to building your business awake, aware, and on your terms with like the right business models or, you know, the right money-making strategies um, uh, or like using credit and legal insurance, financial and tax things in the right way. It's, it's actually about like eyes wide open to, um, being willing to see what life is trying to show us so yes. that we can actually be the people that we came here to be. That's it. That's let's drop the mic on that. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Allie Katz for being with us and Thank for you. being so vulnerable and authentic. And maybe we'll have you back on for the next horizon. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope it is get fucking real worthy, Lisa Journey. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. <laughs> Bye for now. What an awesome journey that was. <laughs> A woman of many names and how that has manifested in her life, landing in full integration as Allie Katz. So beautiful. Allie has an awesome program called Lift. And it is an enlightened and empowered way to look at legal, insurance, financial, and tax decisions. Like, I know, y'all, this is, like, not the most fun stuff. But if you want to really um, feel in alignment and congruent and have your business be something that is real, go take a look at what she has at myliftfoundation.com and 
you will get access to a presentation that covers what you really need and what you don't need to empower your business with smart, savvy, sexy, legal insurance, financial and tax systems. Um, I've seen her do this talk and it is, it's, it is really very enlightening. So go check that out. And another way to get to know Allie more is to dig into what she shares with our GFR squad. So if you, you might've heard about that we have this membership community where our speakers share special stuff that is only for them. And uh, this one is pretty special. Talk about confessions from successful soulful entrepreneurs. After the podcast up rolling, Allie turned to me and said, you know what? What I really was in the days where I didn't know how to feel, I was a narcissist. And I wonder when I'm going to start talking about that more. And I said, how about now for our squad members? So we, in the moment, started the cameras rolling and recorded a segment called Life Lessons from a Former Narcissist. So powerful. What she reveals about what it felt like to be one, what it felt like to be in relationship one, and how you can take actions to mitigate any indication of narcissism in your world through you or people that you're in relationship with. So it is for GFR squad members. Our membership is only $20 a month or $200 for the year. It is a way for you to put some skin in the game around waking up, being more real, and going for what you really want to go for in terms of your mission. We call, we call it the GFR Squad Quad. That is where we all gather in our Facebook group. And uh, we'd love to see you over there and have you experience this conversation with Allie and I around narcissism and all the other bonus material from all of our other guests. So gfr.life forward slash squad. It is where you go. Take two minutes, join, and then come meet us on the Squad Quad. All right. Bye for now. See you next time.